Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 55. We're talking about Euro chat at the moment. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, Marcelo Bielsa, off and gone from Leeds. We'll probably end up starting with that. We've got a ripper of a League Cup final to talk about. Some excellent Champions League football as well that was played. Uh, a nice top four uh, battle going on for the Champions League spot. We'll get through all that. Tommy's on the other end of the web. I've got a very sad and not at all perky um, co-host tonight. He's a bit down in the dumps. Marcelo is gone. Um, welcome aboard, mate. How you doing? There's a reason the pod has come out a day late this week, and it's because Monday was declared a day of mourning. Yeah, much sadness around uh, your part of the world, your part, of the, part world, of the world, like West Lakes, <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> Well, we were we were underwater for a brief period yesterday. Um, no, just what what is where do we even start with this, Marcello Bielsa? How about we start with the um, like we had a pretty uh, staunch debate in our group chat the other day about this guy. Um, Obviously, you know, I'm a fan of him as well, but obviously not as much of a fan as Leeds fans are. It does appear to me that Leeds fans will not have a single poor word uttered about the man. Um, what is your response to that? The I think the fan base, it wasn't entirely split by the end of it, but there was a, a vocal minority that was really hollering for Bielsa's exit. They valued uh, results over, you know, what he had done or, you know, the, the longevity of the team or even just seeing it out to the end of the season. There's only 12 games to go. So this is really the last roll of the dice given pretty much all the other teams around Leeds have relegated, uh, not relegated, have sacked their managers essentially. And they've all started again. So, you know, but like you said, the vast majority of Leeds fans, I think, are in a state of grief right now. And it's it seems like a silly thing to say. Like, you don't usually mourn managers, really, when they leave the club. No, you don't. Um, I'd imagine, I feel like Man United fans are still mourning Sir Alex. <laughs> um, That's true. No, you're right. That's true. Arsenal went through it with Arsene Wenger, I think, definitely, because they weren't hugely successful. And then he came along, kind of revolutionized the game a bit, did... Did some magic, won a bunch of leagues, had the Invincibles, and then it just really lost its way for a while, and it went on probably a bit too long. Uh, but it was still sad when he left. Like there was definitely a sense of sadness, particularly particularly if you're like you know an Arsenal fan like myself who was born in like '92. Um, by the time you're old enough to actually tune in and turn the telly on and watch games, all like all I had known in my lifetime was pretty much Arsene Wenger. So, um. You know, managers can still have that special kind of place with you. And for a club like Leeds, who spent so long, you know, this is a club that's like, you know, challenged in Europe, uh, won a bunch of titles with Don Revy, um, huge fan base, huge support, being out of the top flight for so long. And there was, it's been well talked about uh, how close Leeds went to coming up so many times. And, uh, they're one of those clubs that people love to hate as well. So there's always a lot of media attention around what's going on with them. So them coming up with Marcelo Bielsa was like, it was just huge. Um, and it meant so much to so many people. Yeah, it was a, it was a fairy tale story. And it, it really kicked off on his first game 
uh, the 3-1 win against Stoke. And there was, you know, there was obviously an, an eager atmosphere to see what this, this madman was going to be able to produce under uh, for Leeds United. And that game at halftime, Leeds were 2-0 up. And I, I remember thinking to myself, um, I've, I've never seen anything like this as, as a Leeds United fan. Like this is the purest style of football played with such confidence and swagger. And it just, I, I like what you said about <clears throat> how you only knew uh, Arsene Wenger basically growing up. And when I grew up, Leeds were a competitive side and they had a young side and they were playing an attractive yep. brand of football. And that's what it transported me back to when I saw that. I was like, oh my God, this is a team that I can fall in love with again. Yeah. I think um, I want to put it to you if you think it was the right choice or not to get rid of Bielsa. I said to you the other day that I thought it was a one of a flaw in the man that he would not budge on the way he goes about his football. Um, you don't, you don't agree with that? No, I don't. And there's like there was a really good tweet that I found during the week uh, is by one Sophie Levin, non Leeds fans talking about a manager helping us to adapt and survive. Uh, just they just don't get it. Bielsa made us dream about something more than trying to stay up. He made us believe we could be something that we could slay giants, and if we couldn't, we'll at least give it a try. And for me, that was more important than results, was the fact that we went out there and we thought that we could beat every team. And, yep. you know, there was some, obviously the previous week, we copped 20-odd goals. You yeah. know, we lost huge margins to Spurs, Man United and Liverpool. But that's because, you know, we don't try and be Watford or Burnley and we don't try and sit 10 behind the ball and cling on yep. for dear life. We're like, okay, we're going to try and match these guys. And even if we can't, we're going to continue to try and do it. Yeah, see, that's a that's a like a way of going about it that I've always been a fan of, and I fully support that. Um, I still I think when it gets down to like this point of the season, like business end, um, I don't, and it's not working. I I yeah, I think it'd be more important just to rejig it for a, a couple of months, do what you can to ensure that you definitely do stay up, and then have another crack next year, starting off the same way you. You want to be going about it. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's just how you prioritize um, football and what and why you go to the game and why you watch it or why you invest your time in it. <clears throat> We're in a unique position because we support um, teams, you know, with a fierce passion from the other side of the world, and so we create our own stories and we create our own attachment to these teams. And you know, throughout those championship years. It's always been fun supporting Leeds because it's always been a different kind of thing amongst people. You go out with football fans and uh, who do you support? And you say, oh, support Leeds United. And you're like, oh, okay, sick. They're not a Premier League team, so I don't give a fuck about them. And so it, it makes you, it forces you to like look outside the general bounds and try and connect with people and chat yeah. with people online. And, you know, you meet them in pubs and stuff like that. And it just, it creates a really good connection in that way and then you go up and you have to face the rigors of the premier league you know the ultra results performance driven it's corporatized you know there's so much money involved in this game that you can't possibly go down um and especially with the 49ers investment is now uh, now as well yep. which is you know maybe why we've got an american manager too i don't know i don't want to read too much into it but you know for me personally i couldn't give a toss if leads stayed up or went down now or even with Bielsa because I was reinvigorated and reattached to this team because of, you know, his philosophy and who he was and the way that he played the game. And so for me, it's really, it it kind of feels like your mum's 
divorced your dad and she's like moved a new guy in the next day and you're like well, who is this guy and why is he calling mum mom like this is so weird <laughs> that's fair um i guess it's all part of that like premier league mythology isn't it we've put we've got the premier league on this pedestal um where if you're not in it it doesn't matter like nothing matters um but you can't tell me that like people who support like people who support late orient clubs like that um their club means as much to them as like you know west ham means to west ham fans or as may not like may not means to man united fans like it's all relative you just follow your club uh, it doesn't really matter what division you're in um i just yeah i think like in a in a business like this i guess i don't know i, I still feel there were some things Bielsa probably could have changed um even tweaking, it doesn't it doesn't seem to have wanted to tweak it much at all either. <laughs> Did not budge um, whatsoever. Like, and you can make, I guess there's excuses about not having the players there and stuff, which are valid. They're valid excuses, like not having a striker, uh, little depth, missing Calvin Phillips for s- such a long period of the season. He's arguably their most important player. Um, but then like the players that are available and like some of the defending they're putting on uh, wasn't exactly helping him. No, definitely not. And I think you can see the unfortunate reality is Bielsa's man-to-man marking defending is so easily exposed by the, um, you know, the GG pressing. Like it's, it, it's, it's the total antithesis. And that's why Man United always have such good results. That's why the big teams have such great results because they're so lethal on the break and they can control possession and stifle yeah. opposition momentum. And yeah, that's that's you know that's why Leeds got belted so often, and that's probably why you know Bielsa didn't beat Pep with Bilbao in the in the cup final against Barcelona. But you know, it's still. I just I feel like we've kind of lost something it's out a of real, football. It, it's a real challenge for how how far are you willing to let your beliefs go, mm. like your belief in your um. You have an understanding, an idea of how the game should be played in your head and how far are you willing to just keep pushing with that despite the results. I guess at the end, the end game for him is he does feel that uh, he can't do anything more with it and it's probably best to step aside now because it's. Yeah. I, I'm not sure he could do much more um, unless they stayed up and he got to have another crack next year with more investment. Um, mm. That's I say that because like that's part of my reasoning for wanting him to have tweaked it and stuff and just to change it up is I don't want to see leads go down. I want to see them stay up and invest more and see what they can do with this, like with Bielsa in charge um, and see what sort of excitement they bring. Cause their games are always pretty exciting to watch. Um, but yeah, it's gone. He's done. It's gone. I know it sucks. I mean, yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll just quote uh, the uh, Trevor Sinclair tweeted this out. That a proper football man doesn't change his beliefs on how he feels football should be played. We should celebrate Bielsa staying true to his principles. And I, I just, it just, it feels like Leeds have now become another Premier League team, and that just doesn't interest me really. You don't want to be a uh, Watford or a, no, you know, an Everton, a Palace, going through Ever- managers a, and, yeah, yeah, pretending just- that, pretending that maybe if we just follow the pattern. Pretending and that staying 13th to like 16th or 17th is enough. Pretty much. Fair. We might move on. Uh, 
Rip Marcello. Uh, League Cup final, <laughs> Rip Keeper. Um, I don't know if you caught any of this League Cup final, but oh my God, it was a cracker. Are you right there? Yeah, no, I just, no, it was like <laughs> definitely one of the better nil nils I've ever seen. Um, I just, it reminded me of this comment about Kappa right at the end. And you know how in 2019 he refused Sari's yeah, substitution. And it's like, well, yeah. maybe, maybe he should have refused to come on in this situation. <laughs> Stay um, true to his principles. Look, before we even get into the football, I do believe that he has saved uh, like seven, seven out of 24 penalties he's faced. And Mendy, two out of 34. You know? Okay. Well, now, now Keppers is seven of <laughs> 35. So, you know, it's it's still better than Mendy's. But, you know, it's whatever. Um, yeah, this game was awesome. It was kind of like such a high quality, so intense. It was intense. So, many, it? so many goals weren't allowed goals <laughs> we had three offside there was a Havertz offside that was pretty clear there was uh, another one I can't remember there was a Lukaku one which was mm, suspicious, which we can talk about and there was also a Liverpool one disallowed for a foul which we can also talk about um, seemed a bit if he will start with the Matip disallowed goal uh, Virgil van Dijk hold a hold I'm using quotes mm. the quote finger here um, I love the old air quotes Air quotes, a VVD, a hold on Torres James, I believe it was. How'd you see that one? Uh, this it looks to me like a final that was always going to be over refereed and over vard, and this is an example of it because this is the kind of thing that you see often. And I just I can't. On the flip side, you know, we'll get to Lukaku, but it's kind of cancel each other out. But yep. at the same time, this this should be a goal, right? This, this should, should be, a, be goal. a goal, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit there, but it's 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 in that pile where it's like, um, if you're happy to give that, then you have to be happy giving it at every bloody set piece in every game. And if That's we do that, then we're having like every time there's a corner or a free kick, there's going to be a penalty. Yeah, it's American football it, at that point. It, it happens in every single set piece into the box so i yeah. just <clears throat> that that I, relays I it has to be a goal it relays back into the var argument is that when now that when we score goals we're trying to over adjudicate it and we're trying to find reasons to disallow it and they yeah. found one they found one um was yeah so the lukaku offside i'm still trying to i don't know i'm looking at it and to me it looks like they've drawn a line where his elbow is and yeah, I was unaware I they have that to. you could score a goal with your elbow. So what the fuck is going on here? You, yeah, you can't precisely. And the best tweet I saw all week was someone saying that every position of your arm that is given as a handball should be uh, onside when you're running. And I, I think that would be the best way forward with this. You what? So, every, every Say that again. So like, you know how a defender, every inch of his arm that is given as a handball in the box, that should be given as non-effectual for a runner in an attacking position. It's because it's because it's an unplayable object, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It's just like it's not meant to be your your arms meant to be onside anyway. That's why I'm just confused about where that line was drawn. I don't understand what we Is it because like, of what they deem to be handball and not handball? Yeah, no, because it, like what 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 I'm trying to say is like every part of your arm that can be handball is then yeah, a disallowed object. You can't use yeah. that. You can't use that part of your body in the game. 
So if that part of your body is ruled to be offside, was it shouldn't be offside because it's not a playable object in the game. That, so yeah, that already is that already is a thing though. Yeah, well then, how come they're not? That's why. I, yeah, I know. That's why I'm it's baffled. Just, it's baffling, isn't it? Um, that's exactly it. Like that's what the rule is. So why maybe, is it not being called out? I say I feel like I say this every week, but like referees, you're a different breed, aren't you? Like they just seem to see the game completely different to the way everyone else sees it. Someone's sitting up there in a bar box and he's like, ah, oh, look at that elbow. He's off. He's off. Mate, yeah. But what on. measure? Um, it's weird yeah, because just, we write these really technical, in-depth rules for them and they attest to reading them and following them and then they don't we enforce all, um, them properly. We, we've said it time and time and again on here, but we were talking about it at soccer training and like everyone pretty much saying, like, why don't they just make it feet? Just make it your feet, wherever your feet yeah. are. If your feet are onside, fucking done. Or like just, like we said, when it gets that close that you need to start drawing lines, you stick with whatever the um, linesman decision, linesman's decision was. Mm. I'm unsure so, what the linesman's decision was in this case, but I'd, I'd rather take that than go and do this and have it be controversial anyway. Precisely. We're, yeah, we're at, I think this is the absolute cutting, floor, uh, cutting room floor at the moment with the VAR. We need to figure this out. And there, there are good ideas and there's people saying we need to just make it yeah. super duper black and white and it's the time to do it now. It's time to make the decision. I like the feet one. The feet one sounds good. So we move into penalties and um, <laughs> like, I don't know if you saw any of these, but just about every single, them, yeah. just about every single one was dispatched brilliantly. There was one, I can't remember whose it was, that Kepa got a hand to, couldn't quite keep it out. Um, yeah, high quality stuff until Kepa came along. You just, I, I kept thinking while I was watching it, why can't the guys in my football manager save take penalties like these guys? This is insane. <laughs> it was with such confidence and consistently sending the keeper the wrong way. And I, I love, I personally love a penalty shootout that hits the goalkeepers right at the end. Yeah. Liverpool um, guy took his well. He did. Kelleher. 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 Yeah, well dispatched. Um, I just. <laughs> Chelsea fans might not like this, but I know I know people like shithousery, right? But I I have a big problem with dumb shithousery at dumb moments. Mm-hmm. So there were Fair. two that I noticed. There may have been more, but Tyrese James was one. Jorginho was another. So keep in mind, in this penalty shootout, Chelsea are kicking second as well. So Chelsea's penalties are to stay in the game, keep it going. Tyrese James and Jorginho both scored and then both gave the Liverpool fans the shush. Yeah. Why did thing. he do that? Why would you? I don't really... Like, it's a penalty shootout. Why are you shushing the oppo crowd like that? Like, you've just scored a winner. Mate, It's there's another penalty about to be taken in 20 seconds, champ. Sort yeah. it out. Game is on. I mean, were they shooting in front of the Liverpool fans? Is that why? Yeah, they were. But, like, but yeah. I don't understand why you... It's audacious, man. You know, it's, it's really shocking. It's and really, shoot out. man, it's tempting fate. And you know what? It didn't work out in the end because Kepa really struck that one like a goalkeeper taking a goal kick. Yeah. There's a lot of all the memes are going around about like flying through the air and stuff. Look, son, it's Cooper's penalty. All that sort of shit. Ah, the internet doing its thing. Bait. Low bait. But yeah. I guess, uh, do we congratulate Liverpool on winning a league cup? I think we should. I think they, yeah. You know, we talk about how matter? much the league cup doesn't matter. But I think if when your club wins it, I guess it does matter because it's 
And if or if you make the final, you want to win it because it's it is a trophy. We're there to win trophies. By the end of the season, you may have forgotten about it, but you know it's a nice. Uh, you know, if you're following a club and they win a trophy at this point of the year, it's a good pick me up going into the last remaining months. Potentially, I pose this to you: if you, if all your club won, if your Liverpool fan was the League Cup this season, would you be satisfied? If I was a Liverpool fan and all we won was the League Cup, I would probably not be satisfied. But this would be still a good moment that you would enjoy and celebrate. Yep. Like you said, briefly. There's a line. There's a line with the League Cup to be had where it's you celebrate winning it, but you don't bloody do what Liverpool fans did and clog my newsfeed for like three days about it. Like they'd, <laughs> like they'd just won 15 Champions Leagues in a row. But there's also the other side of it where you don't act like Chelsea fans say, oh, I didn't watch it because I didn't care. <laughs> it I, don't, matter, I yeah. don't care about it. You don't, <laughs> you mean, you're telling me you get up at like, you'll get up at 3am to watch your team play a dead rubber, but you won't get up to watch them play in a cup final. Come on. Yeah. On Wanted that, in. We'll keep going with Chelsea because we'll get into last week's Champions League that we need to catch up on. I believe our predictions are pretty close in this one. Chelsea v Lille at the Stamford Bridge. The Stamford Bridge. The Stamford um, I, I caught that. <laughs> I'm glad you picked it up. I, I believe I said 2-0 last week, but I might be you wrong. You did. Oh, no, I think you did because I said 1-0 and I think you trumped it with 2-0. Yeah. So, um, ballpark. Look, I think most of what we said came to uh, fruition in this one. Chelsea mm-hmm. really, um, you know, it was an intriguing game because Chelsea kind of, they got the early goal, so they kind of had the better of them. But Lille was still in it. They just didn't have that, you know, if Lille were able to show just a tad more class in that final third, they could have made a real interesting game of it. Instead, they end up losing 2-0. Looks pretty comfortable in the end for Chelsea, and I don't see them having much trouble going through. Mm, no, you're right. I think uh, where Lille really are advantage coming into the second leg is how many shots they peppered at goal, and they're not they're not a side afraid of taking on the long bomb. And if they, like you said, sharpen up their their finishing prowess in the uh, final third, potentially yeah. they could score an early one and really really uh, make Chelsea nervous. So it's it's a good tie still. I think two 0 yeah, is a good tie could. for the second leg. I think they are like are they like the lowest scoring team in Liga at the moment. Lil yeah, as well. They're, they're out there, yeah. That was or kind of reflected there. in their their final third. They just didn't quite have they had enough of the ball and they, they they were positive. They were really positive in the way they went about the game. They just couldn't um just didn't have the quality in the end to get one. And I think it was the was it the second it was the second Chelsea goal of Christian Pulisic. The run from Angolo Kante has been spoken about a lot because the way he just picks up the ball in the defensive half just Bursts through the middle, so direct, and then feeds it through. Pulisic slots it. Um, good goal, great player. Can't disagree with that. I love Kante. The other game that morning was uh, Villarreal hosting Juve. It was one all. <clears throat> Don't have a whole lot to say on it because I didn't watch it. But um, for more reports, it's the standard Juve of this season where they just kind of uh, waiting for someone to do something good for them and and uh, put the ball in the net. Dusan Vlahovic did just that last week. We talked about people having concerns maybe that he hadn't shown anything at Champions League level yet, um, not through his own fault because he hadn't played Champions League till then. Um, and he does now and he scores. So it took him like a minute. 
Yeah, so, a minute. It was a 40 seconds. Something like that. So, uh, good start to your Champions League career, Dusan Vlahovic. Um, I think Juve probably go through at home, but, you know, that's not a comfortable one. Definitely not. You know, I'd probably put this one down to pens. I can see another 1-1. One, one. I can see it being a really dull extra time and going to penalties. Um, you know, tried to make note of it last week. This is not the greatest Champions League tie, and it played out that way. And both of these sides, whoever goes through, I don't think is going to win in the next round. 100%. Um, moving on to Thursday's games, I don't know if you caught any of this. I believe you were watching the Benfica Ajax, but uh, I was distracted. Leeds Liverpool was on as well. Yeah, that 6 0 thing. I watched the first 15 minutes and had Ugh. enough. Benfica Ajax. <laughs> yeah. What have you got Great for game. us on that? Really, really, really excellent game. I had Ajax. I mean, it's probably my own ignorance because I hadn't seen a lot of Benfica this season. Um, but I had Ajax to win this very comfortably. And there were goals in the game, but, you know, it was shared. It was 2 2. Benfica uh, equalized in the 75th minute. You know, a really. This is the the uh, Yaramchuk, the the Ukrainian uh, midfielder forward, who we saw the the clip of on the weekend when he came on, and they gave him the captain's armband and got a standing ovation from yeah. the crowd, and you know the lip quivered, and it's, he was he was on the verge of bursting into tears. Yeah, oh, I kind of wish he did. I mean, and because it would have been an interesting moment, the whole game probably would have stopped, and it just would have been kind of one of those rallying cries that football shouted yeah. out for this. Um, but yeah, he scored a really good goal. Um, it was just, it was a game of technical um, ability that was matched with like flair and, you know, just a willingness to get forward and run at players. It was yep. a really, really good game. And I can't wait for the second leg. That would be the one that I would most promote to people if they were going to yeah, watch it. Yeah, I think uh, return leg, I think I'm probably going to tune into that. I just think it's Ajax as well at home, always an incredible atmosphere. Um, on TV, I've never been, <laughs> but, <laughs> but this team are pretty interesting. List, like, you know, Steven Bergweis, uh, Dusan Tadic is excellent. Uh, Sebastian Haller, who had that massive breakout year for Eintracht Frankfurt, went to West Ham, didn't quite work out. Now he's at Ajax and he's, he's been banging him in as well. Um, they've still got class com- coming off the bench like Davy Klassen. I think they get over the line at home against Benfica, mm. but I could see it being another cracker. And the away goals don't mean anything right now, so it's just no, exactly. two all, no nothing else on it. Um, yep. The other game that morning, I was watching Atletico v Man United. And I really enjoyed this game. Oh, it was just so typically Atletico and so typically Man United at the same time. This game, Atletico did the Simeone thing. They got an early goal. Brilliant goal as well. Brilliant cross from Renan Lodi. Jacques Felix, excellent header. And then they seem to have just sit back. Um, they sat back, parked the bus. What this meant was <laughs> Man United had a lot of the ball. Well, they had a bit of the ball, but <laughs> didn't look too dangerous. You know, Atletico generally pretty comfortable defending. We've seen them do this over the years time and time again. And they started to do it again. And then... United, like they always seem to do lately, uh, are never out of a game and manage to scab a goal, albeit through a, you'd have to say, a defensive mistake with the Atletico defender sliding in like a maniac for no reason. And Alanga got through and slotted it. And now all of a sudden we won all going back to Old Trafford. Yeah, I wrongly predicted goals in this game because I I was kind of hoping Man U would have broken them open early and that would have forced Atletico to come out and play a little bit more. But 
pretty much went true to how you said the early goal for Atleti. They shut down, played on the counter. They gave 63% of the ball to Man United, but I think most notably in this game, there was only three shots on target and (laughs) with two goals, that kind of sums it up a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was still, it was an intriguing game, but it wasn't the most, it wasn't the most exciting, but um, it's, it was a game that still had you watching because you knew like there's enough quality out there for you know cool things to happen, but it just mm. didn't really eventuate. I think the return leg would be much better. I, th- I can see United uh, turning one on. I've just got this feeling: Champions League night at Old Trafford, Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandez, Pogba probably all step up to the plate and get this done. I reckon. Mm. I don't know if Atletico have got what it takes to get through this. A PSG repeat, maybe. I mean, Suarez enjoys scoring at Old Trafford. It could be. Mm. It's going to be. It's, it, it will be a really good game. I think you've got two really good ties on the same night there. I'm going to say here as well, I, I've got a feeling I predicted one all. This would be really useful if but you, you know and I both made note of our predictions. I can't remember. And I'm banking on the listeners we do have aren't going to go back and check it. So there's <laughs> no way they're going to. There's no way they're going to sift back through it. So just take my word for it. All right, guys. Thank you. It's gospel. Don't just take my word for it. Also, just get around us on Facebook and stuff and yeah. Instagram. Share get around it. it. Share get around it. Share it. Share it out. Share the word. Someone share else will hear word. it and then they can call me out. Do you know how much misinformation is on Facebook? Just share us as well. Start us to the list of misinformation. Uh, moving on. What did we have Friday? It, Europa League. I'll just quickly touch on. Because last week we spent a bit of time talking about Celtic and Rangers. Celtic ended up going with the B team, which, you know, it's upset Celtic fans a lot listening to content this week, but it didn't upset me too much because, um, you know, it's a conference league. Who gives a fuck? Fuck me. I'd rather, be in, the, I'd rather be in the League Cup final. That's a great pod. We should dedicate one and whole hour to that. League Cup or Conference League? What's your yeah. vote? Um, yeah, I just... I've, he picked a bit of a B team. They couldn't get anything done in Norway, so Celtic are out. Rangers ended up going through against Dortmund after it looked like, even with 10 minutes to go, it still felt like Dortmund were in this. Um, but it ended up ended up finishing 2-0. Um, some absolute comical defending from Dortmund in both legs of this tie, and they went to Ibrox and did the same thing again. Had plenty of the ball, created plenty of chances, Got themselves 2-1 up at one point, and then when Tavernier equalised to make it 2 all, that was kind of it. Although, I, I say that, but you know, Dortmund still looked like they could pull two goals out the hat. They do that a lot in the Bundesliga, where they score you know, two, three, sometimes four goals in very quick succession. Uh, they couldn't do it here. Rangers just too strong, just held them out, and they go through to the uh, round of 16. Congratulations, Rangers. That's a huge goal. Are they uh, favourites now for the, the Europa League? I dare say they're not with Barcelona still in it. I believe they've drawn Red Star Belgrade in the uh, round of 16. So that'll be Tasty. a very hostile home and away for both sides, that one, I'd say. All right. We've come to, uh, we'll just do a quick little. There were some interesting games on the weekend concerning the top four. Three of them played each other. Arsenal hosted Wolves Friday morning. Uh, Man United played Watford, and then West Ham played Wolves. Um, so a big chance for Wolves to grab six points off top four contenders here, and they walk away with nothing in the end after a loss to West Ham. And after leading 1-0 at the Emirates, uh, they 
went down there as well. So, oh, yeah, it's all shaping up very exciting, isn't it? It is. And it's so typical of us to gas up Wolves for so many weeks and then to lose two really critical games in the space of, what, five days. Yeah. Just the West Ham game, the, just one instance of diabolical defending has totally undone whatever their game plan was um, at the London Stadium. Just the, the movement of Saiz in the box to get drifted into Antonio's run and to not intercept the ball and to leave the striker free on the six-yard, or not the striker, but the, the player playing in the poacher area on the six-yard boxes. It's criminal. It's absolutely criminal. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what happened at like, the Emirates where Wolves only scored through a terrible mistake by Gabriel at the back for Arsenal. Um, and then they were very solid, like, like as they've been all season, Wolves games to be under 2.5 goals this year would have to be a shoe-in, wouldn't they? Most of the Total time. Total lock. My, oh, man. <laughs> well, Except for Leeds this game. Leads over 3.5 is probably better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they just, they defend so well. Uh, so very like organized. Um, you're kind of banking on them to make the sort of mistake like they did at West Ham. Um, they didn't really do that at Arsenal. Arsenal just eventually just were able to break them down. A few crafty substitutes got them... Um, back in the game, and then Lacazette got a deserving winner. He was he was excellent on the night, Lacazette. This guy is wearing the armband since Aubameyang's left, and no one trusts Xhaka to wear it anymore. So <laughs> I know Lacazette's probably yeah. not the most clinical striker in the world you think of, but his he shows a lot of leadership out there. He his work rate is incredible, and he um he links up really well with the young guys, the, your suckers, your Odegaard, your Emil Smith Rose, Martinelli's, etc. Mm-hmm. No, he does. And, you know, it maybe doesn't paint a great picture of Lacazette, but he missed a really good chance um, one-on-one where he just kind of curled. It was a trademark Lacazette finish. He just missed it past the post. But it was the reaction of all of the players on the field that really got me. I think this was against Wolves. Just hands on heads, players dropping to their knees. These are like, and that is a representation of how much they look towards this guy to influence lead and, you know, potentially even win the game yep. or push the game forward. And so I think maybe the captaincy for Lacazette isn't such a bad idea. Oh, 100%. I think most Arsenal fans would agree with that at the moment. Um, so that does leave Arsenal level on points with West Ham at the end of the weekend. But uh, two points behind Man United, but with three games in hand. I suppose we can finish with another quick little United bashing since they drew nil all at home with Watford. Um, <laughs> I'll let you take the reins for this before we finish up. <laughs> I don't know that I have it in me at the moment. Um just thank you for handing more points to our relegation rivals United, you bunch of bastards. No, it just, it totally sums up where they are as a club. But, you know, if we were going to be a little bit empathetic, you know, they're playing a lot of football. They've played two games a week, three games a week for, you know, months mm. and months now. Like, other than the mini break, the mini enforced break, but still, they come back, they're involved in most competitions, they play a lot, and they seem to stick with the same 17, 18. Yeah. You're Man United. You have more resources than that. Potentially, yeah. They, they should be as well-resourced as... I mean, they've got the most expensive squad in world football yeah. history. So, so they be should better. be as, as well-equipped as City and Liverpool, yeah. To not beat uh, Watford is... Well... I just, <laughs> you, well there. there you go, yeah. folks. You had to Inside wait the 45 minutes this week, but we finally got... Tommy to tee off on Man United. I knew it was going to be easy. We got in there. We're done. <laughs> you didn't have to do it. I did have to. I didn't want to do it. 
felt like I'd spoken enough. All right, yeah. that might wrap it up for this week. That's episode 55. Uh, tune in. 55.1 will be coming up. We're going to talk about our boys, the Reds, and our ladies, the Reds. And uh, we had a good little, uh, good couple of wins on the weekend. Good couple of wins. Good couple of wins. We'll probably have a good Arnie bashing too. So tune in for that one. Ciao. Rest in peace, Marcello. <laughs>